the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. This is the first time you heard the show. Hey, welcome aboard. If not, you, you, you know a little bit of the format. And the first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. Avoiding probate, avoiding going through court, whether you're alive or dead, it's very important. And as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Now, as you know, each week we usually have one of the attorneys from our office join us, and this week we have Mel. Mel, welcome to the show again. Hi, everyone. It's good to be back. Okay, so Mel, tell us something a little bit about your background. Where'd you go to law school? I graduated in 2005 in Sanbeta University. It's a university now. What in, year? In the Philippines. 2005. Law school. 2005. Okay. You graduated from law school. Yeah. All right. So um, I practiced for a little over, a little less than 10 years over there. Close to the phone. And then um, I moved here with my family and then took the New York State Bar, and here I am at Connors & Sullivan. Okay, so what, what's the difference between going to law school in the Philippines and going to law school in New York? It's, it's, it's well, I would say substantially the same before you even, they would, before they would even allow you to sit for the New York State Bar, they'll evaluate your credentials, make sure it's substantially equivalent even more. So system, same. Um, I'd like to mention also at some point in history, uh, Supreme Court decisions in the Philippines are really appealed over the United States Supreme Court because we were a commonwealth. So part of the reason we get an easy pass, I call it, is because Philippines has the same legal system, hybrid legal system, as in New York. So it doesn't follow, like, Spanish Napoleonic code? The, not, not Napoleonic, but Spanish, it does. Mm -hmm. uh, the, criminal, the criminal revised penal code system in there is patterned after the Spanish. Otherwise, 
uh, hybrid common law civil law system. All right. Let me ask you, were your classes in English? They are all in English. Everything's in English. So all your, your classes in law school in, in the Philippines are in English? Classes, material are in English. The laws are written in English. I don't know. There's, a, there's one or two senators, I think, in the last decade who's proposed to convert it to Tagalog. I don't know where that is right now, but so far it's always been English. Uh, 40, 50 years back, I would say there's also Spanish class in there, but it's it, it ha- Okay, that's, that's interesting. Why did you decide to come to the United States? Uh, just like uh, thousands and millions of stories, American stories, they want they wanted you know a greener pasture. It's actually started by my uh, my parents, my father and my mother came here, brought me here. All right. So you work primarily in real estate, and what are some of the questions that come across that you know we either sometimes get in emails or people speak to you about? This this I'm I'm actually in the middle of two. Interesting um, development, and this I think at the end of the day, I would like to highlight: if you don't have an estate plan, or if you do have an outdated estate plan, please come speak to a lawyer who knows how to you know discuss these things with you, especially trust wills and stuff like that. Maybe we can help you. So two things: one, um, I have a situation where a client did a will. Maybe he's he. I think she is deceased now. Um, 20, 30 years ago, she basically had a language that says, I give my interest over this property to so-and-so. We call it, in amongst lawyers, specific device. Now, she's dead. The executor comes in. You know, there was a contested probate and stuff like that. The, the executor is trying to sell the asset. And at the closing, you know, it had to be adjourned because the title company, and rightly so, said the executor has no authority to sell the property. Right. Ordinarily, like, they would have to get a court order. So let's go through this again. You do a will. You say, I leave the property located, let's say, where you live to my daughter. You name your son as executor, and let's say you leave your son some other assets. Well, your son that cannot sell the house left to your daughter, uh, unless, of course, your daughter consents. Now, he could get a court order because, let's say, for the sake of argument, you go to a nursing home and all your assets are gone except your house and you got bills to be paid. Well, in that case, then your executor can tell the court, listen, I've got whatever taxes, lawyer's fees, executor's commissions, uh, they haven't been paid and I don't have money to pay it because my mom, my dad went to a nursing home and all the cash is gone and all that's left is the house. Well, in that case, you could get a court order to sell the house, but you have to get the court order. The executor does not have authority to sell a property that's specifically left to someone in the will. And by specifically left, I leave the property located at 7324 Ridge Boulevard to my son, whatever, not just saying I, you know, a general statement or whatever, not in the residuary, not in the what we call the residuary. The residuary covers those assets that are under the control of the executor. And uh, we were talking before we started you know, another problem sometimes is co-ops, and we almost forget because the law was changed. Did you say it was 1996? Yeah, January 1, 1996. So we, we are in the middle of another one. Here, the stock certificate were, were issued, obviously, to a husband and wife, but that was 1986. Both are dead. Husband predeceased. The wife followed uh, in the order of things. Now, we, had, we have done probate over the wife's estate, but the co-op, 
and the title company won't allow us to close because they want probate also on the predeceased husband's estate, which is a problem a lot of times because especially if you don't, you know, if the fiduciaries are abroad or the beneficiaries are, you know, they really want to close ass up. That's a problem. You know, because it, it wasn't until January 1, 1996, when the New York State Legislature realized, hey, we want to we want to correct some issue here. Uh, we want to be able to uh, basically stress there's a right of survivorship in husbands and wife, but that law wasn't retroactive. It was effective only January 1. Um, to, Which uh, means, let's say for the sake of argument, you bought a co-op, you're married. You and your spouse bought a co-op before January 1996, and... On the stock certificate to the co-op, it doesn't say as joint tenants with right of survivorship or something to that effect or the survivor or something like that. That means that you've got two probates on that stock certificate, one for husband, one for wife. And if you bought your stock certificate, let's say more than almost 30 years ago now, if you bought your co-op more than 30 years ago, if it doesn't say as joint tenants with right of survivorship, Go to the co-op and change it. Right. Now, I know in a lot of cases the law's been that way for, you know, almost 30 years now, 28 years. So a lot of co-ops get a little lazy and they let closings happen when it says when it's between husband and wife. But technically, um, it, it's not the correct way to do it. And you should change the stock certificate for joint tenants with right of survivorship. When you buy, even now, after 1996, if you buy, I would still put that in there, especially if you have different last names or something like that. It doesn't hurt. Now, some co-ops abbreviate it to J-T-W-R-O-S, and sometimes it's a little stamp in the corner of the certificate, <laughs> and you, you may not even notice it on the first run. But you want to make sure that's on there. And if you're both alive and you bought the, the property, the co-op, before... 1996, then you want to go change it and put joint tenants with right of survivorship down. And of course, it's a lot easier to do that when both of you are alive than one of you passes away and we may have to go to court to, in effect, go through probate and change the stock certificate, which nobody wants to do. And it's a double hassle for the children because in that case, you got to go through probate twice, one for the husband, one for the wife. Now, if you have the same children, that may not be that difficult, but if the husband has different children from a prior relationship, the wife has children from a prior relationship, that could be very challenging, to put it mildly. So, you know, it, it is a good point, and we, we almost forget about it because the law's been that way for 28 years, and how many people bought a co-op, you know, more than 28 years ago? But it's still something to be concerned about, and if you're in that case, you know, Go to the co-op. You can come to us for advice and check it out. But go to the co-op and change the stock certificate to joint tenants with right of survivorship. Is there anything else, Mo? You want to? For now, that's it. Okay. Well, you know, I think that's a good, that's a good segue, really, to invite everyone. If you think if you don't have an estate plan, if you know, or if you have an, you know, do we have any particular time frame? Maybe in, you know, six, six, ten years old documents consider speaking to someone who knows yeah well you know that that's a question we get all the time how often should i update my will and it's really not by time it's how do circumstances change you know like one of the things we see a lot of times that the will should be updated is because let's say you did a will when your kids were teenagers and you had let's say your brother or your sister-in-law's 
executive trustee, and now your kids are in their 30s. We should probably update the will and put your kids as executors. Uh, that's one thing. Two, sometimes people, tax laws, tax laws change sometimes. And, of course, sometimes you did a will 30 years ago and you didn't have much in assets. And so, you know, you weren't worried about taxes. But now, let's say you have an estate of over $6.5 million. Let's say you live in New York. You got a $7 million estate. Well, there's no federal tax, death tax right now, under $12,900,000. But there is a New York State estate tax, death tax, under over $6.5 million. So let's say you got a married couple with a $7 million estate. And if you ask me what's part of my estate, don't ask the question. Everything's part of your estate as far as New York is concerned. You know, Rush Limbaugh used to have a joke. They take the value of your paper clips. That's not quite true, but th- there's a point to it. So let's say, you know, the, the couple has a $2 million house. They have $2 million in retirement accounts, um, some insurance policies, some bank accounts, brokerage accounts. They add it all up. They're at $7 million. Husband dies. No problem. Anything that goes to the wife is tax-free. But then the wife dies with a $7 million estate, let's say, with no planning. If her kids live in New York, the kids are going to have, I shouldn't say if she lives in New York, the kids are going to have to pay $700,000 in taxes with no planning. Now, with just a little bit of planning, we could set up a trust where husband could leave $6.5 million tax-free, wife could leave $6.5 million tax-free, and we could get up to $13 million tax-free without breaking a sweat. But we got to do it in advance. I mean, there's certain things we can do within nine months of the first of the couple to pass away. But if we're going to take full advantage of the tax laws, we have to do it when both members of the couple are alive. Yes. If assuming your husband and wife, they're both U.S. citizens, husband dies first, everything passes to wife, no tax. But if the wife dies with no planning and more than a seven million dollar, more than a six point five million dollar estate. Children are going to pay taxes in New York. And, of course, that's why a lot of wealthy people move to Florida, because Florida, there's no death tax, which means you're only paying the federal amount, which is $12,900,000. And filling out just a couple of forms, we can make that $12,900,000 more than $25 million. So the federal government, it's very easy to leave $25 million tax-free, husband and wife. New York State doesn't make it that easy. So if you have a $7 million estate, you should do some planning because New York State is out to get you. And a little bit of planning, we can make that $6.5 million number $13 million between husband and wife. If your spouse is not a U.S. citizen, we have to do a little bit more planning. We do what's called a qualified domestic trust, which a QDOT trust, which in that case we have a U.S. citizen as trustee and Again, get at least $13 million out in New York State. And, you know, estate planning is not rocket science. We say this all the time. But it's not as easy as some people think. You say, well, I don't have to worry about tax. I'll just put my kids' names on everything. That could be, but we're still subject to income tax. And you say, well, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to file my tax return from Florida. I'm going to say I live in Florida. And you still pretty much live in New York. Well, if you get audited... They know where you live. They know where your cell phone rings. They know where your Easy Pass car, where your car goes through. They probably have a picture of going through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Um, if you get audited, they know where you live. you got to really live in Florida if you're going to say you're a Florida resident. 
and try not to pay New York State estate taxes. But if you, you want to have questions about that, give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We need to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now accompanied by Ishmael Jose. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, tax, Taxes and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or Connors & Sullivan. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, Mel stepped out of the room. Nicole Donnelly stepped into the room. So as most of you know, Nicole has usually a segment, estate planning gone wrong. So Nicole, what do you have to say to the audience today? I've been seeing this a lot, and it's pretty scary to me, okay? We all know, or maybe we don't, but Mr. Connors is going to tell us that Medicaid purposes, there's exemptions that we could take advantage of, right? So when people come in and they say to me, okay, I want to qualify my mother for Medicaid or my husband for Medicaid, I say, okay, what do you have? We look at the deed. We see deed transfers to the most random of people that don't qualify for any exemptions. And I say, when did you do this? And they say, well, I went to a real estate attorney and told them I wanted to transfer the deed to my daughter in North Carolina because she's the one who's going to inherit, you know. And I say, okay, but you live in the house, right? Yes, but my daughter's going to inherit in North Carolina. 
And I just scratch my head because we know there's an exemption for husband and wife. We know there's an exemption for children who live in the house. So, Mr. Connors, tell the people what the exemptions are so they don't go to their real estate lawyer and mess up the estate plan before it starts. Okay. Well, here's the thing there. Let's say somebody's going to a nursing home. There are four exemptions we want to look at. And when we say exemptions, exempt transfers. In other words, any transfers that you make before you apply for nursing home Medicaid within five years of the date of your application is reviewed and subject to review. So, But they're exempt transfers. In other words, transfers that don't, do not cause a penalty for Medicaid purposes. One is transfer between spouses. Husband transfers everything to wife. Wife signs spouse refusal. Husband gets Medicaid. Now, the wife may have to act fairly quickly after that to protect her assets because they're a little bit out on a limb, but at least it can take care of the emergency situation. Then we have transfers to a disabled child. And this is there's a lot of confusion about this, mainly because people don't understand what a disabled child is. If your parent is alive, you are a child. So mom can be 99, which some of us remember a certain lady who's in a nursing home on, off Pennsylvania Avenue. When she was 75, her mother was 99. Her mother was going to a nursing home, and we transferred the assets to her. Now, at the time, she was 75. She was suffering from cancer. We got a letter from a doctor saying she was disabled. We transferred all the assets from mom to daughter, and mom was eligible for Medicaid. Transfers to a disabled child are exempt. Now, if you have a young child, teenager, whatever, that's also an exempt transfer. Now, you put it in trust. Let's say if you have a teenager, you put it in trust for them. You don't give it to them directly. But transfers from, from a parent to a disabled child or a trust for the benefit of that disabled child are exempt transfers. So nursing home, you got a house, you put it in trust for a disabled child, that house is protected from medical bills right away. If you have a revocable trust and you know you put your house in a revocable trust, that house is protected from nursing home bills if you have a disabled child because a nursing home cannot put a lien on a house that goes through that doesn't go through probate and they can't stop a transfer if if you die and you even if you have a will if you have a disabled child as one of the beneficiaries they can't put a lien on your estate now they can tie everything up for years and years so the better way to do it is through a trust but transfers to a disabled child are exempt transfer of a homestead if you have a son or daughter living in the same property with the parent for two or more years is an exempt transfer so if we have a daughter that's been taking care of mom in the last couple of years, we put that house in a trust with the daughter living in the house more than a couple of years, more than two years, that house is protected from medical bills, nursing home bills right away. It's not subject to any penalty period under the five-year look-back period. If we have a brother or sister, a sibling, living in the same house for one or more years, sharing some expenses, very little, but you have something where they're sharing some expenses, if we have a brother or sister, Living in the same house, it could be a condo, co-op, house, that doesn't matter. We transfer the property in trust for the sister that's living in the same property, brother living in the same property, that property is protected from medical bills right away. So, I mean, that's what we're talking about, exempt transfers. Now, there are a lot of things we can do even without exempt transfers. But one of the things is that sometimes you do, you transfer the, you know, the house, which we were just talking about, to a daughter in South Carolina, well, you still incur a five-year look-back period for Medicaid, assuming that child's not disabled. So you can't apply for nursing home Medicaid for five years. 
you lose possibly your veterans exemption or senior citizens exemption, star program exemptions. And I've seen a lot of people, they lose their senior citizens exemption because they transfer their property to obviously a younger child. And that younger child is not a senior citizen or a veteran. You lose those exemptions. Um, You know, the preferable way to do it is a trust. And of course, a lot of real estate lawyers don't know what a trust is, don't really understand a trust, don't want to be bothered doing a trust. So things sometimes, as you say, estate planning goes wrong. Another thing I had come up where estate planning goes wrong is, in this case, the parent transferred the property to her son who did live in the house. So kudos to her. However, she did not retain a life estate. She had no interest. What does that do to the child when he goes to sell the property? Well, he get killed in capital gains taxes because let's say for the sake of argument, you have a house, you paid $50,000 for it, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. It's worth a million dollars today. You just transfer the house to your child, no strings attached. Um, then your child sells the house after you're gone. Then, you know, you goes to the accountant, and the accountant says, well, your parents paid 50000 for the house. You didn't pay anything for it. Par- parents transferred it to you. You sold it for a million dollars. You have a capital gain on the difference between the 50000 your parents paid for it and the million dollars you sold it for. Well, you have a, you got to pay tax on a $950,000 capital gain which is more than $300,000. Take the same set of facts. You put the house in trust for that child. That child will get the house tax-free. Capital gains are wiped out by death. You'll avoid probate, and that's very key in today's world to avoid probate because you don't want to have to go through the court system. Hopefully we never had another another COVID outbreak again or something similar to it, but some courts were completely shut down during the COVID outbreaks, and you can get anything sold or transferred during that time period. Again, hopefully that's not going to happen again, but I don't think you can care. I don't think you can, you know, plan that way. Something may happen. And even in the best of circumstances, in some cases, a court proceeding could take a year, two years. Again, maybe you have a disabled child who gets a court-appointed lawyer who stalls things up. Maybe you have a missing child. Maybe you have a, you know, half-brother or sister in some cases, and and they could stall everything up. So unless you know exactly who your family tree is, you could certainly get, you could hurt your family a lot by just doing planning gone wrong. And if you want to learn how to do some planning, you can attend our seminars. Michael, what are the dates and times on our seminars? All right, so our seminar roster. Monday, June 19th, 2023, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. will be at Buckley's Restaurant and Caterers on 2926 Avenue S, Brooklyn, New York. Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., DeLucas Trattoria, 616 Forest Avenue, Staten Island, New York. Wednesday, June 21st, 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., right here in Bay Ridge, Greenhouse Cafe, 7717, 3rd Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., Connolly's Corner, 7117 Grand Avenue, Maspeth, New York. Friday, June 23rd, 2023, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., Adria Hotel and Conference Center, 221-17, Northern Boulevard, Bayside. Okay, now if you want to come to the seminars, please give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The idea, 
listen. I'll, I'll talk for about an hour. And then if you want to hang around at the end, if you have any questions, we'll answer your questions. You can ask, ask the questions from the floor. Or if you want to wait till the end of the floor answering question period is over, then you can ask me in semi-private, you know, about your problem and we see what we can do about it. And then we can schedule an appointment with our office. We don't charge for the initial consultation on anything that we're talking about at the seminar. So if you want to schedule an appointment at that point, you're more than welcome to do it. And when we're talking about scheduling appointments, uh, our Manhattan office is moving. So, Nicole, I'm not real good on Staten Island geography. So can you enlighten me on this? Well, clearly, because you just said the Manhattan office is moving to Staten Island. Oh, Staten Island. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So My Staten Island geography is not good. I don't even know where it is. I know it's over the bridge. So I go there. He does go there often. So our Staten Island office is moving from 1250 Highland Boulevard to 513 Davis Avenue. And we will be there starting this month, correct? Yeah, we're already there. Look at that. I didn't even know. (laughs) Okay, but where is it? 513 Davis Avenue. Where is Davis Avenue? Off of Forest. Forest Avenue. So it's near DeLuca's where we're doing the seminar. Very close to DeLuca's. Okay. So what neighborhood is that? Don't trust me when it comes to geography. I don't know. But you live in Staten Island. And my first time at Lucas is going to be on the day of the seminar. Can't wait to see you all there. <laughs> I don't know. I wish you could do a little bit clearer on that one. I could look it up. <laughs> not, while our, not while we're on the air. Well, then that's all you guys got from me today on that. Okay. So, Nicole, you're going to be there answering questions at the end, right? I will. I'll be at Toluca's, and I believe I'll also be at the greenhouse for one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Which one? I think the earlier segment. All right. I thought you were going to Buckley's. I don't know why anybody would schedule Buckley's Day on a Monday. Michael's is closed, so I think I was out of that one. According to Google Maps, the neighborhood is West Brighton. West Brighton, okay. Sounds like someplace in England. (laughs) <laughs> it does. Mr. Right. Connors, is it safe to say that, because of course, you know, estate planning gone wrong just has inundated my mind and that's all I think about nowadays. Is it safe to say that estate planning goes wrong when you do know estate planning? I'm not sure if I understand that question. So let's take it a step further. If someone does nothing, right, isn't there a lot of things that can go wrong automatically when we pass away with assets? We our loved ones are forced to go to court in order to get control of our assets. It's like the only triggering event that ends up in court automatically. Is that not true? Well, that is true. You know, that's one thing. You know, I remember one law assistant in in the surrogate's court, and he made the point that the surrogate's court is the only court where somebody has to go into where it's not because it's because an event they had no control over. You know, if you go to criminal court, ordinarily you've committed a crime or you've accused of committing a crime and you had some control over that event. And if you're suing somebody or being sued by somebody, again, you had something to do with those events. But surrogate's court is because somebody else dies, you have to go to court. And you're involuntarily brought into court in some circumstances. And, and, you know, one of the myths, and we do touch upon this at the seminars, one of the myths is if I have a will, I'm not going to go through probate. That's not true. You go through probate is when you pass away, their assets in your name alone, then you go through probate. Because if you have a will, let's say you have a deed to your house, 
the house, the deed to the house is in your name alone when you die, that house is going to go through court. And if you have missing relatives, if you have litigious relatives, uh, if you have missing relatives, all those things will cause huge delays. Incompetent relatives, you know, sometimes we have, you know, sometimes you might have a, a child who's, you know, autistic and can't sign a consent to the will. Well, that child could get a court-appointed lawyer and your estate may be tied up for years because your child can't legally sign a consent to your will. And, uh, you know, a court-appointed lawyer, you, we, we can say a few things about court-appointed lawyers, but sometimes they don't do a very good job in these estate proceedings and they make mountains out of molehills just to try to get a bigger fee. So if you can avoid that, you want to avoid that, uh, life is not as simple as you may want it to be. Just because you have a will doesn't mean you don't go through probate. If you have a will, ordinarily the assets will go to your whoever your beneficiaries are, but at the same time you're going to have to go to court and it can be a lot more expensive than you'd like it to be. You want to avoid court, you want to avoid probate. You avoid probate when you pass away. There are no assets in your name alone when you pass away. And if you go to the seminars, we'll tell you how to do that. What do we think about the people who come in and tell us about their assets? Because sometimes estate planning goes wrong when people don't identify their assets as assets, right? So stocks, bonds, life insurance policies. And then they'll tell you, well, nothing's passing through my will. I have the estate as the beneficiary for everything. Yeah, well, obviously that's going through probate. And, and again, that's one of the things, you know, if you, if you do go to consultation, if we're going to give you the right advice, we need to know all your assets because let's say we get 90% of your state outside of probate, but at the same time, maybe you have, and, and I'll tell you what a lot of people forget about, it. they buy an insurance policy, like let's say they bought an insurance policy a few years ago with MetLife or Prudential, and MetLife issued stock certificates on that policy. So the insurance policy with a beneficiary is not going to go through probate, but the stock certificate that goes with it will go through probate unless you either put it in the trust, sell the stock certificate, get rid of it, or do something with it, depending on the value of the stock certificates. So, yeah, that that's one of the things that throws us in there. Sometimes what throws us through probate are U.S. savings bonds in the attic you know, where you bought U.S. savings bonds 40 years ago and you don't have a beneficiary on the bonds. And now, today, it's going to go through probate if there's no beneficiary on the bonds. Or you have your deceased mother or father's beneficiary on the on the bonds. So th those are two of the things. And sometimes it's just, you know, a, a checking account. You know, you, you say, well, it's only five ten thousand dollars $10,000. Well, the, if you have five ten thousand dollars $10,000 in a checking account, you pass away, your name alone is on that account. You're going to have to go to court to collect it. And we don't want to have to go to court to collect a million-dollar account, but we certainly don't want to have to go to court to collect a $10,000 account because you don't have enough money in the account to pay for a lawyer. you got to do it yourself. And one of those hitches comes in, you know, somebody, one of your family members tries to cause a problem. They can drag the whole estate, even the non, you know, the non-probate assets, let's say a, a joint bank account, they may bring the whole estate back into the probate court because you made a mistake and forgot about a checking account that had $20,000 in it. So it's important if we, we want to avoid probate, we want to get everything out if we can. We want to make sure every asset avoids probate. We do that, make sure there's either beneficiaries, whether it's joint or whether it's in a trust. 
And again, if you own a house and the deed to the house is in your name alone when you die, that house is going through probate. You might say, well, it's got my spouse's name on it. I don't have to worry about that. True, while both of you are alive. But both of you will pass away. And when the survivor passes away, if you don't change the deed of your house, preferably to a trust, that house is going to go through probate and it's going to be tied up in court. So if you want to learn how to do things the right way, come to one of our seminars. Give us a call. I mean, listen, we're, you know, I, I understand there are a lot of people reserving for Staten Island right now. But, you know, we don't usually run out of space very rarely in that case. But we do want to know how many people are there so we can set up the uh, seating appropriately and everybody's comfortable and we know how many packets to have and, and anticipate how many questions we might have. So if, if you want to attend our seminars, there's no charge, obviously. There's no charge for the initial consultation after that at one of our offices. Give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. We're going to take a short break and be back in a few minutes. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, tax, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or Connors & Sullivan. .com do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. 
Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Amelia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department. Of financial services. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. Welcome back to Ask Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, uh, Nicole and Mel are gone, and now Beth's back. Hello, everybody. Boy, do I have something wonderful to tell you. I just got off a great telephone call with Anita LaCava Swift, and that's my buddy, and she is John Wayne's granddaughter, one of them. But I want to recap. I mean, a couple of years ago, I was on the air and I was all upset because just January 1, Anita had given me a call and said, did you hear what happened? Oh, my goodness. For so many years, we'd been saying how, how great the Cancer Research Institute was out in Santa Monica at St. John's University Hospital. And that John Wayne, when he got cancer, he pro- he let them use his body because, you know, he knew there were, he knew it was going to go. And he said, well, experiment on me. And he told every he told everybody he had cancer and, you know, no secrets there. And the family followed up with his wishes that what monies could be. However, he and his his um, legacy could help with cancer research. He wanted to do that. So uh, they they were raising money for 40 years. And then January 2021, the family finds out that they have removed, they meaning St. John's University Hospital out in Santa Monica, removed John Wayne Cancer Institute's name because I guess they just he thought he wasn't politically correct anymore. They kept all the research. They kept all the research that years and years of the Wayne family bringing in their friends and, and everybody trying to get money together to raise the funds for the research and for the doctors, the um, residencies, the oncology residencies. The hospital didn't even tell the doctors, the people that had received these residencies, that they were removing John Wayne Cancer Institute. 
it was, I mean, I sit and I'm sitting here just stunned. I guess I wasn't surprised. I, I guess, I don't know. But when, during our, during our conversation that day, I said, Anita, is it okay if I call my brother? And she said, well, my brother, Ted, right now is chancellor of Texas Tech University. And Anita says, you can call, call Ted. Sure. So I called Ted and I said, Ted, I told him what happened, all this awful stuff that happened. And I said, do you think Texas Tech could get involved with working with the John Wayne Cancer Institute? Well, the Cancer Institute, they did. Ted said, oh, my goodness, yes. But the Cancer Institute, they just turned that loose, not that name not to be used anymore. But there's a John Wayne Cancer Foundation now. And after about working on it several months, Texas Tech University and the John Wayne Cancer Foundation have come together to work to get for the big cure cancer get rid of cancer the big cure and um what was it we went down there in 2022 they finalized everything and about it was around john wayne's birthday in 2022 that we went to the drover hotel in fort worth and had this wonderful evening with all the people that were the first people to get involved with um with setting up this thing, the big cure. And these are the nicest people in the world. And I'm so happy. And obviously I'm still very upset about what the, the hospital in Santa Monica did. I mean, it's rude is, I don't, I don't even know the right word with probably getting too mean, but anyway, um, Oh, but there's something else. Anita is going to be coming on the show, our show next week. And, um, what are we going to be talking about then, Mike? Well, I think we're going to be talking about the Western heritage hall of fame museum in uh, Oklahoma city. Which is wonderful. If you haven't been there, I know Oklahoma city is kind of, in the middle of Oklahoma, but if you decide to go to Oklahoma City, you must go to that I that will museum. I not hazard this disparaging of Oklahoma. <laughs> okay. No, it is a great museum if you if you do go there, and uh, you know it's in different sections. I mean, obviously, anybody listens to the show know we're great fans of old westerns, so they do have a Western Hall of Fame. Um, section or whatever western performers whether in movies or tv shows and of course a lot of the people who've been guests on our show are part of that hall of fame robert fuller you o'brien chuck connors um well charleston heston you know we've got his um his son was on the show, his son yeah. was on the show so i mean it I can't even go. It's all the people that you ever saw and you thought were just, you know, the greatest actors. It's, you know, Westerns. I mean, that's our, that's our culture. Even if you didn't grow up in the West, Americans, that's our ethos. Would that be the best way to say it, Mikey? That's one way of putting it. Yeah. And remember, even the, you know, even in the Soviet Union, Westerns were seen as, you know, beautiful american propaganda essentially yeah well if you say so 
No, course, we it, all know no, that, that was they, Lena yeah. Brezhnev's favorite actor was Chuck Connors. Yeah, but I mean, you had you had assassination attempts put together on John Wayne. You had, you know, so they they respected the art form enough to actually take it seriously as a threat to their cultural dominance. All right, if you say so. Oh, but, boy, if you but say what, so. What, what's what, what's going to be happening with uh, the John Wayne Cancer Foundation in New York? Well, we're going to, well, that's what we were talking about today with my wonderful phone call with Anita. New York, we're going to have a fundraiser on Pearl Harbor Day, and we're going to have a a Christmas party, and we're going to go to Three West, and it's going to be a big old cocktail party, and we're going to meet and greet and the Wayne family. We're going to have members of the Wayne family there, and we're going to have good food, and we're just going to... We're going to become, anybody that's there will become a part of that dream or that charge that John Wayne that gave everybody, you know, use my name, use my body, anything you can. Let's do research and let's try to get rid of this cancer thing. Okay. And Three West Club, of course, Three West 51st Street, but we'll have more details later. And... I don't know what the price range is going to be yet. We have to figure that one out. Right. Well, one of the things is, uh, we, Anita and I were just having so much fun. Over it. These are these are fun people. If you come to the party, you know what we're going to do when the party's over? We're all going to go outside, walk across the street, stand on the, the sidewalk over there, and have everybody's picture taken with the tree at Rockefeller Center. And um, it's just getting together with nice people, good people, and saying, you know what? What better cause could this be? And um, remembering John Wayne. Now, Mikey, you know what? Anita's trying to get her baby brother to come in and be there. This would be one of the first times. For those of you who don't know, this is Brendan Wayne, who plays the Mandalorian, who is the stuntman playing the Mandalorian. So under the armor, it's actually usually not Pedro Pascal. It's usually... Brendan Wayne, and he has a blast with it. So maybe he's going to bring Grogu. What do you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Nor do I care. Oh, you're no fun. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So that's so that's our story. So um, Patrick Wayne. Hopefully he'll be there. Anita and um, Ethan Wayne. And so uh, we're right at the, uh, you on air right now are hearing the very beginning of all our little thoughts and, okay, how can we make this fun? So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm hoping if you're interested when the time comes and we find out more about it and you want, you want to become a part of the big cure with Texas Tech and the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, please get in touch with us. Um, like I say, it's, they're not stuffy people and it, and it just, there's no better cause. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have some more news with Anita, uh, next week. Now, for those who remember the Alamo, Anita played a little girl in the Alamo who says goodbye to big boy Williams, who, you know, was one of those character actors that was in the Alamo. He was in movies for a hundred years before that. I think he was probably in silence or whatever. He was also he was a mainstay on every Errol Flynn western. He was one of the guys in every Errol Flynn western, I think, um, at least you know during the 30s and early 40s. 
But remember um, when she was saying goodbye? Well, was her mother was her mother blind? Yeah, mother was blind. And uh, in the he, movie, in the movie, and he didn't want to. He felt like he needed to go to take care of her, take care of his family because the mama was blind. No, and that's the not little... Bill Williams. Quit Big Boy Williams. Oh, that's not. It's not. That's John Dirks, who's the husband of the blind and the father. Bill Williams. Uh, Bill. I shouldn't say Bill Williams. Big Boy Williams. Which one was, was he? He was a sergeant. He had nobody to say goodbye to him, so he said goodbye oh, to Oh, my people. goodness. Now I know who you're talking about. You know, like... Oh, no, know. I don't think I've watched that many as movie as many times as you have. But, oh, yeah, that's right. It was two two different two different families. No, it was one family. Bill, uh, Big Boy Williams. I don't want to keep saying Bill. The other actor, Bill Williams. Big Boy Williams had no family to say goodbye to, so he said goodbye to John Dirks's family, which part of it was Anita LaCava played John, uh, John Dirks's daughter. Well, I'm talking about, okay, but that's what I'm saying. The father was was going to go with them, and then the mama, the blind mama says, no, you stay here. I don't want to be a coward. No, we're, well, I'm talking about the same people, okay. and she's got her children, and Anita LaCava Swift was one of them. All right. So, all right. In any event, we're going to have our seminars soon. Join us for our seminars. Hopefully next week we'll be in the same stations, times. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. Again, see you next week, same time and places. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.